Georgia, 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 Georgia. From the stretch, the 0-1 swung on and hit in the air. Coming in is the right fielder, Eric Peterson, and the Milton Eagles have won the state championship. Two to one, Milton deals their region five. Roswell Hornets a crushing blow to win the state title for the first time since 2004, and they dogpile on the mound. On the ground, Finical flips the list. Heck wins the ACC title. 6-4 force play, and they are swarming Andy Mitchell. Georgia Tech has gone 5-0 and, and sweeps the ACC title. Swing, high fly ball, built to right center, and the Braves have won! Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Peachtree Pennant Podcast. This is uh, one of the contributors, Stephen Teal, and uh, this is the Peachtree Pennant, and it's your source for all things baseball in the state of Georgia. And joining uh, the podcast this week is myself and one of the co-creators, Josh Tanner. Uh, so I'm going to toss it over to Josh now, and uh, we'll get started. Thank you, Stephen. Great to have you on the podcast once again this week. It is an exciting week. It is opening weekend. Opening week, first week of baseball optimism, of course, at a high level, and uh, certainly an exciting opening day game on Thursday. And uh, we'll go ahead and jump right in uh, talking about opening day um, here to kick off this week's podcast. Um, optimism was running high heading into opening day, and optimism still pretty high after that opening day finish. The Braves. Uh, I believe their biggest comeback in franchise history, going back to uh, defeat the Phillies after being down five to nothing, coming back to win that one eight to five. Your thoughts on the uh, opening day action, Stephen? I don't think could ask for anything more exciting than that game. Um, I mean, I, I surely didn't imagine I was going to be sitting here talking about a Nick Markakis. <laughs> well, um, but Julio Tehran, he he surprised me. He uh, he did fairly well. Not as good as I would hope he would be. Um, to be the number one starter, but it's fairly decent. Um, and like I said, the offense just it they do what they they did last season. They always seem to come back once it hits the seventh inning. It just seems like everything just clicks better. So I mean, I don't know if I'm too surprised. Um, if anything, I'm more surprised that the Phillies pull Aaron Nola so soon. Oh yeah, no doubt. After I believe just 68 pitches, he given up two hits. Um, Gabe Kapler, the the new Phillies manager, was not uh, was not very well loved there in the city of brotherly love uh, Thursday night uh, for pulling Nola. Of course, maybe that that works out if you've got a bullpen like the Dodgers. Um, but I mean, I believe his reasoning was you pull him because he's much worse against uh, batters the third time through the order. But when you've got a bullpen like the Phillies have or like the Braves have. You're gonna want to keep your starter in there and let them go as as many innings as they can because that bullpen just did not hold up for the Phillies. And I don't believe it was as much the Braves coming back as it was the Phillies just absolutely blowing this game. I have to completely agree with you. As much as respect as I have for them for coming back the way they did, it just if Aaron Nola stays in that game, I think we're probably talking about a different from. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like you said about the bullpens. I mean, the Braves and Phillies each have. 
incredibly like challenging bullpens this year. Um, you know, Rex Brothers, I mean, he almost gave that game away. Um, and I don't get the logic, honestly, keeping him in there once he walked J.P. Card. I, I feel like Snicker probably should have gone to the bullpen right after that. Um, yeah. His brothers is shown in high-stress high situations. He just he can't seem to just get it done. Yeah, and I believe Gabe Kapler's bullpen management definitely overshadowed Brian Snickers, but at the time, that was a very... Uh, uh, not a good move at the time, I would say, given Rex Brothers' ERA last year. And over spring training, it was over a seven. It was there at the ballpark and walked in a run and just got absolutely booed out of the ballpark. Uh, two straight walks there. Not exactly who you want coming out of the bullpen first in the first game of the year when you have all those fresh arms ready for you. Absolutely not. But I will say that Arotis Vizcaya and it really, really impressed me. Yeah. Um, it looks like he's back to the, the viz that we all liked when he first started with the Braves. And, I mean, striking out the side there in the ninth was huge. Um, and I don't think I've been that excited for someone closing since Kimbrell. So, you know, that same feeling when he struck out that third batter, the, you could feel the energy at home. You could feel the energy from the crowd. So I look forward to him having a good season. Yeah, and uh, between him and Mentor, definitely had the closer role uh, nailed down. But but outside of Rex Brothers, I mean, that was a very good performance from the bullpen. I mean, Sam Freeman did a great job. Dan Winkler did a great job. Arotis Vizcaino as well. So that's some positives from the bullpen, even though it got off to a rough start there with Rex Brothers. They were able to contain the Phillies to those five runs and allow the Braves' offense to do what they've done so well uh, last year in late innings, come back and uh, take the lead and... Uh, eventually win this game yeah i mean and like i said the ending couldn't have been more perfect you couldn't have wrote a better script because uh, coming in nick marcakis was seven for 14 off of hector neris and i mean he we couldn't have asked for a better outcome with that because i mean you just don't get that situation all season so and i also have to say that i don't know if i've ever seen nick marcakis connect with the ball the way he did in that last at bat that was an absolute bullet Coming out of the ballpark. Yeah, I didn't know he had that much power. I know, <laughs> you know, when he first started with Baltimore that they talked about how much pop he had, but I don't I think that's the first time we've really got to see Necht. So I mean I hope, you know, he has a good season with it being his last season. Um I'd like to see him do fairly well before, you know, he either stays with the Braves or goes elsewhere. Yeah, contract year for Nick Marcakis. You expect him, expect him to do pretty well, showing off. And it, you know, it's going to be a be a tough year for Nick Marcakis in the free agent market, provided that he he does not um, remain with the Braves. So if he keeps hitting walk off homers like this, he certainly will. But uh, going to be tough this off season for him in this crowded free agent market. So uh, he's certainly trying his hardest, and uh, he definitely. Definitely was not expecting to see that off Nick Marquegas. Um, the being there at the ballpark, um, we were just so caught up in the in the um, in the Braves coming back there in the ninth. Freddie's coming up to bat. The place goes nuts, and we don't even think, oh, well, of course they're going to walk Freddie to get to Marquegas. And then you say, oh no, well that doesn't. Maybe maybe we get a single out of it, but you were not expecting a rope to right center that gets out of the park in all of about two seconds. No, I don't think – I think that's what you expected off of Freddie Freeman's bat. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm pleasantly surprised and very happy. I couldn't – like I've said, I'll repeat it. Uh, I don't think I've ever experienced an opening day like that. I felt 
like I did as a kid back in the 90s going with my dad to games. So, Very much a playoff I mean, atmosphere I, for game one. <laughs> I, yeah, I hope I, I hope that feeling stays around all season. And I feel like, you know, once Acuna comes up, Acuna, excuse me, once he comes up, I feel like it's going to be, it'll probably be like that every single game where we, every time he comes up the bat, you're going to be expecting something big to happen. Yeah, you have to you have to remind yourself this first game. I mean, it, you get caught up in it, especially in that opening day game. But it is the first game of the year. There's 161 to go, and yes, it is only the Philadelphia Phillies. But uh, it is great to have this excitement back. Great to have baseball back, and great to have the Braves in a spot to where maybe they're not competitive this year. Maybe they are, but you have something and some young guys really to get excited about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of Freddie Freeman, just a moment ago. Um, he actually, in the first two games of the year, um, set a new record for most walks in the first two games of the year, which is something I was afraid of, given that he doesn't have much protection behind him. Um, even though, of course, Nick Markakis with that big homer on uh, Thursday night. But um, that's something to be concerned about. Six walks in the first two games of the year. Um, not much protection around Freddie Freeman. And when you're taking the bat out of Freddie's hands so much, that's not great for the team. No, it's it's concerning, especially, you know, you know, like Nick Marcakis is not, you know, your typical cleanup hitter. He's not going to be one to knock the ball out of the park every time. So it's going to be a rough two weeks, I feel like, waiting for Ronald Acuna to get here because I just – no one on the team really has that kind of power. Now, Ozzie Albies has sneaky power, and I don't think anyone expects him to hit the way he does but it fits so perfectly in the two hole, you can't really afford to move him down. So um, I was hoping, you know, maybe Tyler Flowers or Kurt Suzuki could fill that role, but with both of them down injured, um, I, I don't know what Brian Snicker's going to do. Hopefully it'll work itself out and we'll be able to survive the next two weeks, but definitely a tough schedule coming up. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, you definitely want to hold your own until Lacuna comes up. But even when Acuna gets here, I mean, he's not going to be in that four hole. They pretty much made that. Evan, and he's going to be down at the uh, in the lower lower part of the lineup. Uh, they don't want to put a bunch of expectations on his shoulders early on, which you can expect. Um, so really, still not much protection for Freddie. Hopefully, um, hopefully we get we get somebody around him uh, or get some. Hopefully, get Kurt Suzuki back soon. Um, of course, he was injured in Friday night's game. Um, which it seems like all of our catchers just have a target on their back at this point. He was hit Thursday night. Hit Friday night on the hand. Hopefully he's back soon. Provide a little more protection around Freddie Freeman because we definitely need it. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know what it is about our, our catching ten, but they just pitchers just don't like to to throw it to him to let him hit. So I guess yeah. that's what's going to happen. So I don't. I hope both those guys get better soon because we definitely need it. Yeah, uh, Tyler Flowers, in case you missed it, placed on the 10-day DL uh, with pull oblique, which usually take about a month or so uh, to resolve themselves. Of course, he had a couple surgeries in the offseason, was dealing with a groin injury as well. And then uh, Kurt Suzuki goes down um, Friday night. Uh, Brian Snicker said that there was too much swelling for them to get a conclusive uh, opinion on. So they're reevaluating uh, Saturday. Find out more about that today. Um, but of course, that's never good news when there's so much swelling. But we do have, um, it's crazy that we're talking about this, the third game of the year. Chris Stewart, who was our number three catcher, we were just happened to be carrying a third catcher um, because we don't need that fifth starter. 
Looks like he may be getting the start for the next few games. What do you do now? Who's your backup catcher if Kurt Suzuki hits the DL? Well, I actually was on Twitter earlier, and uh, Markman was uh, – I tweeted him a question asking, you know, what do you think the Braves are going to do? Um, and he seems to think um, – because, you know, I was I was under the impression, you know, do they, they try to push Alex Jackson ahead? But, I mean, I didn't think he was ready in spring training, so I doubt that's going to happen. And he, he kind of confirmed that, and, you know, he said that Rob Brantley's probably going to be who they have to call up from uh, Triple A Gwinnett. So I, I imagine – I mean, we're going to have to – just go with, I don't know how good Chris Stewart and Rob Brantley are, so um, I don't want to talk too badly about them, but I don't know how good they are behind the plate. Um, so you got to think the Braves are going to have to just hope that those guys overperform um, their expectations. Yeah, two days ago you're thinking, all right, we got a, we got a pretty good tandem there between Flowers and Suzuki. Okay, they're carrying this third guy for a few days, maybe a good bench bat. You don't expect him to be in there starting games, so you don't really know how well he is behind the plate. Yeah, and I I understand. Um, I kind of get why Snip brought up another bullpen arm, but after what happened in the late innings last night, I kind of wish we had just carried an extra bat on the bench. So, um, I mean, I know a lot of us complained about them carrying three catchers. It didn't make but um, it, it seemed to work out in our favor. So um, I don't know. Like it's like you said, I, it just it stinks losing the two guys that you know we expected so much from this year because they did so much for us last year. So like I said, it, it's just hard. It's hard for me to to even think about how good these guys are going to be for us. Yep. And uh, speaking of last night, uh, when Suzuki was injured, the Braves dropped that one. It was a tough one, five to four a game. I thought the Braves should have pulled off the play at home plate with Peter Borges. Definitely uh, proved to be a big play in that game. Uh, that had he touched home plate, probably the Braves would have went on to win that one by a score of five to four. Instead, they dropped it. Uh, I look at it as well. The Phillies probably should have won Game One. Braves probably should have won Game Two. Evens out there. Um, but Dansby Swanson really impressed uh, last night, going three for four and uh, having that big what should have been go ahead double. Yeah, Dansby really um, showing that his bat is coming back around. I feel like he had some really good swings last night. I mean, it looked good coming off the bat. So I feel like he's. it's just a matter of time. It's always been that way with him where if people just, you know, take a little pressure off of him and let him be and play the way he plays, I think it's going to be fine. Now, I understood the switch um, where they took out Preston Tucker um, Virgil, Virgil, how do you, you say his name? Sorry if I butchered that. Yeah, it's Peter Borges. Um, I was, Borges, I you. was butchering uh, that yesterday okay. too. <laughs> All right. So, but see, I got the point in taking Preston Tucker out there, which that guy has impressed me already too. He's come through in the clutch a few times now. Um, cause sense, you know, get speed on the bases and it proved if the run had stood, uh, the Braves would have won that game and it would have made Snicker look like a genius. But, Go off of that, taking Swanson out there, it didn't make much sense to me because one, it made us, you know, come down to having no bench players left, and uh, Carl ended up having Shane Carl had to end up um, hitting for himself in the eleventh uh, inning, and uh, that's something you never want to happen. And I just feel like with a guy not bad as hot as Dansby's was last night, uh, probably not the best idea to take him out there. 
Yeah, and uh, uh, that's just tough. But uh, the Braves ran out of position players. The Phillies were running out of pitchers. How many pitching changes did we have last night? Managing like it was Game 7 of the World Series. I know. I, I, uh, they said the Phillies had about eight pitching changes last night. Wow. Between the uh, fourth and the ninth inning. So um, Gabe Kaplan is clearly showing not afraid to play play every pitcher he has but he's gonna have to be careful with that because i feel like at the end of the season he's gonna really pay for that if he keeps on um, doing the same method yeah i believe i saw he set a record for 15 different pitchers in the first two games that's that's amazing it is it is wild to think that he's already used that many um but going off of pitching uh, mike fultonevich uh, really impressed me last night um he only runs um, over five innings uh, only two of those runs are earned and uh, he's continued to do what he did all spring uh, he had command most of the night I mean he struck out seven guys and uh, but his pitch count was a little higher than I would have liked it to be uh, he threw about 92 pitches through five innings uh, don't want to see that from a guy that's uh, definitely important to our pitching staff the whole season so but um, it's really encouraging to see that he seems to have been able to um a little bit more of his uh, pitching because last year was a lot of inconsistency. It seemed when uh, things got tough, a couple runners got on, Mike loses composure. So um, it seemed last night that he kind of seemed to um, reel some of that in a little bit more. So I hope to see a lot more of that from him. Yeah, I've noticed that. And I, I've also noticed in uh, some of the post-game interviews and stuff, really a, a new level of maturity, I think, from from Fulte and uh, a better understanding, too, of, of where he's at. Yeah, I think that just was a time thing. You know, just give him time and it'll come around. Who knows, maybe fatherhood's uh, helped make him a, a bit more mature as well. You never know. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it's just it's nice to see that starting to look like the guy that we expected to, to get when we got him in the uh, Houston Astros trade. And I think he's a very, very influential part to the rotation because I, I think, I personally think if he can have a great standout year, I think some of the younger pitchers behind him will follow because I think he he's, he's a good model for what we want for the rest of our young guys too. Yeah, and uh, I hope to see a little bit of that from uh, veteran Brandon McCarthy night uh, I really hope that he can you know feed off the energy and keep the ball rolling good for the uh, Braves pitching staff so far um, but I guess you know we'll have to see uh, how Sean Newcomb does on Monday I believe we have a Sunday off which is weird to me to not have Braves baseball on a Sunday yeah but uh like you said may- maybe Newcomb can feed off that energy um, that Mike started so that'll that'll be a story to follow all season Absolutely, and uh, Brandon McCarthy could also end up um, soon here, possibly toward June or July, if some of our younger pitchers like Mike Soroka, who uh, had the opportunity to see at the Futures game on Tuesday, really lights out stuff um, from Soroka, Colby Allard. If some of those guys really take the next step, McCarthy certainly could be on the trade block come June or July with those guys knocking on the door. Absolutely. Um, You know, that could be the case with uh, Brandon McCarthy and Nick Marcakis. You never know. If they still perform, you know, we could be talking about more young talent coming up this season. However, if they're both doing so well, it's kind of hard to consider if we're in contention for a playoff spot. And I'm not talking like a division win, but more of like a wild card two spot situation. Um, you know, if you're the front office, you got to make 
make a decision there. Do you, you know, just concede this year and let some of those young guys get some experience in so that next season we can be full, you know, just full blast going? Um, or do you let guys like Mike Soroka come up? And I am very impressed by him. I didn't um, catch any of the first game, which I heard he was spectacular. But just watching some of his uh, spring training work, he really looks like he is one of the future starters. So can't wait. I mean, that's one of those things. I can't wait till midseason and, you know, see the decisions that have to be made. Um, because either way, it's going to be exciting. And to see fresh young talent or you get to see the Braves push for postseason, which we both de- desperately all want yeah. after a few seasons of losing. Absolutely. And speaking of the Futures game, um, another guy that really stood out in the Futures game is a guy that has never had a professional home run in his career. He's had about 750 plate appearances, but he hit two home runs off Sean Newcomb, the only runs that Sean Newcomb allowed Tuesday night, and that's Christian Pache, who hit two home runs, two for two with two homers to left field. How about that? That was super impressive. I was actually uh, talking to my dad about uh, a few days ago, and we talked about how impressive that kid is. And uh, during the broadcast, actually, on opening day, Chipper was in the booth uh, talking to Joe about Kristen Pache and how impressive and ridiculous he is. And, um, you know, Chipper really talked highly about how he is the future corner outfielder in right field, possibly, because... I can't imagine having a guy like that with Ronald Acuna in, in their NCRT <laughs> in the outfield. I mean, you're talking about one of the best offensive outfields in a long time if they all live up to their potential, which NCRT has already shown. He's probably going to get 200 more hits this season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that Pache kid, I can't wait to see. Like I said, I'm so excited for the future. There's just too many talented guys that it's like we don't, don't have room to see them all. So, um, I think, yeah, you're you're probably right. He's probably going to be someone we see towards the end of this year and maybe opening day next year. Yeah, I think he's probably... Um, I can't he, wait. He's pretty young. Probably won't see him this year, but certainly someone to get excited about. And you talk about offense. That's a great offensive outfield, but you're talking about a defensive outfield where probably, if you have those three together, probably the worst defender of those three is Ronald Acuna, and that's saying something. It is saying a lot because we all know. I mean, it, I know this may be an unpopular opinion because Mike Trout is so good in center field. But I think Ender Enciarte is one of the best center fielders I've ever seen play the game. And I'll say he's the best because I'm a homer and I'm okay with doing that. But it the instincts on that guy are just insane to me. And it's like you said, you had two talented young kids like that in there. That's going to be the fastest outfield in baseball. Oh, yeah. And and that's just the outfield. I mean, we got we got so much more to get excited about too. And we're going to talk more next week uh, with Zach Autry. He's going to be on the podcast. Uh, he and Logan English, both contributors on the site, have uh, been putting together a top thirty Braves prospect list. And they have got they're actually coming out with their final five before minor league opening day, which comes up uh, later this week. Um, they're going to be on the show, or Zach's going to be on the show next week to run down all the great prospects, the top thirty prospects in our system just after minor league opening day, which kicks off this upcoming Thursday. Well, we're going to go ahead and shift gears. But before we do that, there's a pretty tough schedule coming up for the Braves. Yeah, you got a tough stretch of a couple weeks with the Nationals, the Rockies, um, and the Cubs. Uh, we play the Nationals twice there. 
Um, I believe one of the national series is at home and the other three are on the road. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely a tough. So that I don't know if I'd rather play it now or later in the season, but, um, I'm thinking if the Braves can just try to keep it at 500 back with six wins, um, well, not on the road trip, but you know what I mean? Out of this, yeah. this stretch of games, about six games. Um, I think you're feeling pretty good about your, your team. If you can take half of the games from those teams that I believe are all favorites um, in their divisions. Yeah, and uh, the worst part about that to me is you got to go to Colorado. Not only is it early April in Denver, but it's that always messes you up for at least a week after you're done playing in Colorado because of altitude and all that. So that certainly messes with you playing in this early in the year. I don't know whose idea it was to schedule. Uh, series is in early april in colorado so there may be snow on the ground who knows but uh, that's certainly gonna be a rough series yeah it always is when it's cold i just i can imagine playing in that so i don't know how anyone does but uh you know maybe maybe we'll just hit a lot of home runs and take advantage of the cold air i don't know um <laughs> like i said i'm just gonna hope for the best and hope we come back at 500 after that stretch of games and by then Ronald Acuna should be there, and we'll be talking about maybe how great he is and um, how how he's helped the Braves make a push for the playoffs later on. So cannot so, wait for that. Yeah, only time will tell. But we got to get through those games before we can even talk about that. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, we're gonna shift gears here a little bit, shift to college, uh, some college action, and one uh, huge news story that has gotten overlooked. Uh, in all the Braves news and uh, the Braves opening day game is the fact that the University of Georgia, uh, the same Georgia team, pretty much almost the same Georgia team that won only 11 conference games last year, 11-19 and 19 was their final conference record, is now ranked number 24 in the country and has shut out number 17 Texas A&M, won two games in that series, third game being played today. They've won nine games in a row. They are 7-1 and one in conference play. How about those dogs? Yeah, I think after our last podcast where we talked, Josh, I was talking about if they could keep that pace up, they might mess around and win the SEC. So um, they're, they're definitely showing strides to do that. I mean, having the best record in the SEC, I mean, I don't think I even saw – I don't know how – I didn't even think Georgia would do that. <laughs> no. Um, to think that they're only four games away from their total win total from last season – is insane to me, <laughs> but I mean, they, they, I mean, I believe I read that they are off to their best start since 2002 in the SEC and, uh, they got to feel good about themselves after going on that uh, road trip to Charleston and, and, uh, dropping five games to, to be where they are now. I, I have to think that that confidence is only going to keep building. However, they do have a very great schedule ahead of them. Yeah, they got nine, um, well, just being an SEC, nine of the top 25 teams in the country are from the SEC. Of course, they're shutting out number 17, Texas A&M, so that gives you some hope. They should actually be undefeated in SEC play had they won that first opener against Alabama, where they were up 8 to nothing at one point, uh, ended up blowing that lead and losing that game by one run in extra innings, I believe. Um, but yeah, just an incredible start by Georgia. They took two out of three from Alabama, swept South Carolina, now taking two from Texas A&M, looking to go for the sweep today. But a tough schedule is coming up. They do play Georgia Tech um, in Athens 
this coming Tuesday before they head to Vanderbilt to play them in Nashville. Of course, Vanderbilt, I believe, is the number seven or eight and number seven or eight ranked team in the country. Uh, after that, they play Clemson, then Kentucky, and then Ole Miss. So some tough games coming up for Georgia. But uh, if they can keep up this pace, they're certainly not going to continue uh, winning as many games as they have. I mean, that's pretty much a guarantee at this rate. But, you know, if you can win, you can go 500, 600 from here on out. You certainly have a spot uh, to to capture the SEC, which is something I would not have imagined at all for this year with a team that's so similar uh, to the team that they had last year. Yeah, I think that was why I was so surprised. It didn't seem like they were going to be able to improve upon anything. But um, I think the offense is, I mean, they got to lend their hand, tip their caps to Keegan McGovern and Michael Curry. Um, I believe they're both batting over five, uh, over 300, and uh, they each have about three RBIs apiece. Um, and I believe about 16 home runs between the two of them. So um, definitely have to think that their upperclassmen are helping drive um, all that winning. So um, I think if those two guys can keep it up and the rest of the team can, you know, try to keep pace with them, um, like you said, we may be talking about Georgia competing for the SEC title later in the year. But definitely got to go through a lot of talented teams before we can say that. Yeah, no doubt. It's just insane. You are not even through three series yet, and Georgia is four wins away from tying their win total last year, 11-19. and 19. They're 7-1 right now, which is just absolutely insane. Conference play just started. They are in first place in the East, 7-1. and one. Second place, the defending champion Florida Gators, who are 5-2, and two, followed by Vanderbilt. Georgia overall is 21-6. and six. Now, keep in mind, four of those six losses came on a road trip to Charleston, where they lost four out of five. If you take away those... Their only two losses came against Georgia Southern and Alabama. That is, that's just incredible. That is incredible. Hell Southern on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had but, to throw that in there yeah, for that you. Is, like you said, that, that, that I mean, I, I can't miss an opportunity. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is impressive. Like you said, the fact that they could be um, 25 and two, I believe that is insane. Like just to think about after last season, I feel like a lot of people in Athens have got to be happy. Yeah, no doubt. And they really came into the year with low expectations. I mean, we were talking about them just a couple of weeks ago saying, well, I mean, if they just tread water, maybe finish 500, it'll be a big improvement for them. But uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely some uh, some great play from Georgia. Really gotten overlooked this, this week because of the Braves opener, but uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on Georgia. And we have some, uh, some power rankings out. Our first uh, power rankings we've done here collectively at Peachtree Pennant that have come out over the weekend, and we have uh, ranked the seven Division One teams in the country, and those power rankings, Georgia sits right on top of those rankings, and I'll let Steven run you down on who those seven teams are. All right, yeah. Our Division One rankings we got, um, I'm going to go lowest to highest, just uh, I'm going to switch it up a little bit, but at the bottom of number seven, you got Savannah State. Uh, I think that's much of a surprise. Um, they've never really had too great of a program, and uh, they've really been struggling as of late. Um, but, yeah, um, next week, Kennesaw State in the sixth spot. Um, I believe they recently uh, almost scored 50 runs in a, a matter of two games. That is true. <laughs> which is very impressive. Um, 
but they're there at the bottom still. Um, next we have Georgia State. Boo. I don't like Georgia State. <laughs> but <laughs> they um, they seem to kind of waver off a little bit after we talked last. Um, so they're down here in the five spot. Um, maybe they'll be able to uh, pick up soon. I mean, still early in conference play. Um, next we got Georgia Tech. Um, in the four spot. Now, I feel like Georgia Tech and Georgia Southern, who is in the three spot, could be interchanged. I feel like they're both fairly equal teams. Um, I honestly would put Georgia Tech in the three spot um, just because of how Southern's been performing lately. But uh, Georgia Tech is still, like you said, uh, playing Georgia this coming Tuesday. Um, and they're always in the mix in the ACC, so you can't always count them out. Um, next, we got Georgia Southern. Now, I'm going to go a little bit more depth on Georgia Southern a little bit because I'm more familiar um, since I live in Statesboro, um, right now they're 12 and 14 and they're five and three in conference play. However, they're a three game losing streak right now. Um, they lost a close game to Georgia tech up in Atlanta last week, and they are getting crushed by coastal Carolina this weekend and ranked number 22 nationally and is actually eight and zero in the conference, um, in the Sunbelt conference. So, um, not looking good lately. Um, the offense is kind of stalled out and their pitching is not held up fairly well down here in Statesboro. So um, they're still in the mix in the conference in fourth place. Um, so like I said, with Georgia State, there's always anything can happen. Um, next, we got the hard-hitting Mercer team, which continues to us a lot of people. They uh, One of the best college baseball teams I think I've ever watched play. Um, I just I don't know how their offense has held up since this 33-run game, but uh, you you got to have a feeling they're probably going to be up in the two spot most of the year unless Georgia just bombs and lets them move into the number one on side. Um, and like we just talked about, University of Georgia got to be in the number one power ranking, uh, 21 and six overall, seven and one in the SEC. They're on game winning streak. I don't think any team could be playing better right now. So, yeah, there's your seven top uh, seven power ranking. Thank you very much, Georgia in college. Thank you very much, Stephen. And uh, we'll uh, go a little more in depth on some of the scores uh, from those games. Of course, Georgia taking two Thursday and Friday from Texas A&M defeated Texas A&M eleven to five on Thursday, three to nothing on Friday. Um, still to play on Saturday against Texas A&M when this podcast, of course, is being recorded. So they're going for the sweep. Um, as far as Mercer is concerned, they have taken two from East Tennessee State, 5-3 to three and 10-4, to four, looking for the sweep today. Uh, as far as Georgia Southern is concerned, lost two, as Stephen mentioned, to Coastal Carolina, 15-2 to two, and then 7-3, to three, looking to avoid the sweep today. Georgia Tech uh, just defeated Miami 6-1. to one. They still have two games to play today. And then Easter Sunday against Miami. Georgia State uh, is looking to uh, take two out of three from Troy in Troy, Alabama today. They uh, won the second game 5-2, to two, lost the first one 14-4. Kennesaw State struggling a little bit as of late. They lost to USC Upstate on Friday 9-3. They did win Thursday 9-4. They also took a game from Georgia State recently, 15-9. But you mentioned uh, they did score, they combined to score 49 runs uh, just last weekend against Grambling State. 26-7, they took game one. Game two, they took 23-6, something I don't know that I have seen ever before. And we've talked about some uh, pretty crazy phenomenon uh, this year in Georgia College Baseball with Mercer um, scoring 
30 some odd runs earlier this season scoring every single inning so uh definitely uh, a high scoring high scoring action in uh, Kennesaw last weekend and then Savannah State uh not impressing many of course didn't come into the year with very high expectations they've lost one to North Carolina A&T State and they've got two more to play lost the first game 3 to 2 in conference play and they also recently lost 2 of 3 to North Carolina Central University in Durham losing 10 to 2, 3 to 1 and then taking one game by a final score of 6 to 1 and those are your scores and notes from around Division 1. A quick Division 2 update, Columbus State who was ranked in the NCAA top 25 poll is out of the top 25 this week. Georgia College after some impressive play recently has uh, moved on into the top 25. They recently uh, have taken two from Florida Tech, 9-3 and 6-2, going for the sweep today, and also swept number 25, UNC Pembroke, in three games. So they are on a roll across uh, the Peach Belt Conference. They were the favorites to win the Peach Belt, fell out of first place, but are now back on top in the Peach Belt Conference. So that's your D2 update, and I'll send it back to Steven to tell us What's happening over in the NAIA very quickly? Um, well, the update we got is uh, number two. Uh, is that uh, Georgia Gwinnett? GGC. Which which college is that? I'm Georgia Gwinnett. Georgia Gwinnett. Thank yep. you. I was losing the name. Um, they uh, they dropped uh, their first game. Game was number one Faulkner over in Alabama. So, um, definitely uh, a tough series for them uh, over there in Alabama, and I guess they'll uh pick up in the is it a three-game series it is a three-game series okay so hopefully they'll be looking to pick up the next couple of games there and uh yeah we'll keep you updated uh next week and let you know how they went yeah and we talked last time about georgia going in i believe they were number 15 in the naia but they've really impressed they have swept teams swept very highly ranked teams had a very tough schedule they've swept number two teams number eight teams number five teams and now they are number two and squaring off against the number one team in the nation, a team they could be seeing deep into the NAIA playoffs, if not in the final round. So uh, certainly a big series for Georgia Gwinnett, who has always boasted a very good baseball team. Their record at this point is 25-6. and six. Well, that about wraps up college action. We'll move to high school very quickly. We are in the final stretch when it comes to high school baseball, the playoffs kicking off April 26th, which means regular season action winds down here in just about three weeks. And uh, recently, Rob Grups, one of our uh, one of our great contributors over at the site, um, covered a uh, big big game between Locust Grove and Union Grove, the Battle of the Grove. Locust Grove defeated Union Grove in that one, eight to two, after they were swept by Region foe Jones County. Earlier in the week, of course, um, Locust Grove, a, uh, a very, very good um, contender in uh, GHSA playoff action. I believe they are now 14-7, and seven. so uh, be on the lookout for them in the postseason in the GHSA playoffs, and uh, be sure to check out his article read-up on uh, all the action from that game from, uh, I believe it was from March the 29th, that Thursday, so uh, check that out over at peachtreepennant.com. A lot of action in the GHSA top ten. A lot of new teams and a familiar face at number one. Stephen. Uh yeah, I believe that's uh, Blessed Trinity. That's at number one. That is correct. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we talked about them last time about how um, how good they're playing. So, I mean, I don't think that's much of a surprise. Uh, I was surprised to see that uh, Wayne County made it into the top ten. Um, Number team two. Team down from uh, Jessup, Georgia, which is, yeah, that's a I, – I, I've always heard uh, my wife's family is from Jessup. So, I always hear them talk about how incredible their baseball team is. So, I'm um, definitely going to have to go down uh, – it's only about an hour and a half from here. I'm going to have to go down and catch a game and uh, just see how good the Yellow Jackets are. Wayne County, you mentioned 16-3 uh, and three at number two. Uh, we also have Tadnell Square from Macon at 16-3. and three. South Forsyth coming in at number four. They're 15-4. and four. Jackson is undefeated, but they are at number five, 17-0. Parkview, of course, always a uh, powerhouse at number six. They're 16-4. and four. Houston County is 14 and 4. Mount Perry and Christian out of Kennesaw, 16 and 1. North Gwinnett from Swanee at number 9 is 15 and 5. And Hillgrove in Powder Springs is 17 and 4. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Stephen, we ran down these teams um, and we talked about really the uh, the baseball belt line there across the, the North Metro of Atlanta. Um, but looking at these rankings this week, a lot more representation from Middle and South Georgia as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's good to see. I mean, I was born and raised in Middle Georgia, so <laughs> it's good to see that uh, the region isn't letting me down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's 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 good to see that the entire state from top to bottom is uh, represented here. Um, so I think that's just further Georgia is one of the best baseball talented states uh, in the nation. And uh, also interesting is only three teams that ranked. We actually had a, a full preseason top 25, if you want to check that out, over at peachtreepennant.com. But from the top 10 of those teams, only three teams remain in that top 10, and those three schools, Blessed Trinity, North Gwinnett, and Parkview. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, surprising to see that um, the other teams didn't remain in there. But, I mean, once again, it was early in the season. Um, so I think you expect that. So. I mean, by the next time we, we speak, it could be all those teams that were in the top 10 before find their way back there. So, um, yeah, only time will tell there. And it's definitely good to see that the high school environment is so competitive these days. Uh, when I was in high school, I don't know if I was paying as much attention to uh, everything going around in the standard baseball-wise. So, yeah, definitely something to keep our eye on this season. No doubt, and uh, Blessed Trinity, we mentioned a number one. They were number one in the preseason ranking, so they are one of the few constants in the top ten, but uh, definitely impressive. Only lost one game in 21 games of play, so they are certainly favorites um, to to go all the way this year. They did not last year, however. They lost. Uh, they were runner-up and a loss in the championship game, uh, went to the championship series, went to the third game of the series and lost a nail-biter um, in that one. So they are favorites to uh, go all the way this year as well. Um, but, of course, as we mentioned, high school baseball playoffs starting April 26th, regular season action wrapping up in just about three weeks. So a uh, few few big series is left, and then we'll be wrapping it up and uh, heading all around the state to cover some great high school baseball playoff action. So can't wait for that as we head into late April and early May. Right now, we got a final word, and we'll wrap it up this week here on the Pennant Pod. And we're going to talk about what to watch for this week, and I'll let you go first, Stephen. Um, well, for me, I think uh, it's kind of what I've touched on about the Braves. Uh, just kind of keep on keeping 
on uh, the pitching core and how they're performing. And uh, as the team uh, takes on three of the toughest teams they'll face this year um, in the Nationals, the Rockies, and the Cubs, um, you know, the Braves have shown us that they're still going to be a team that competes in the late innings. So there's never a reason not to watch the entire game if you watch TV or listen on the radio. Never a reason to turn it off. Um, but I think the next uh, couple of weeks is really going to show us what we can expect this year from the 18 Braves team. Um, the offense, you know, got off to a slow start. And, uh, you know, once Freeman hit that home run in, in the sixth inning of the game against the Phillies, um, the offense finally picked up. But um, losing Flowers and Suzuki possibly um, for the next couple weeks could be a concern. Um, you know, we lose a couple guys that are good at calling games and provide us with you pro- provide you with a decent bat in the middle of the lineup. Um, so I hope young guys, Preston Tucker, Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, um, are going to continue to play well, help the team come come back uh, from this road trip and the three games at home against the Nationals with a six and six uh, record, and um, get back to SunTrust with Ronald Acuna Jr. making his uh, anticipated Braves debut and. Um, you know, I think if you just get to that point, I think, uh, the whole season's going to eventually come together and we're going to be talking about a good brave season. Mine was going to kind of be along those lines, uh, especially with it being opening week. But, uh, let me tell you, I've just been overtaken by the excitement surrounding Georgia baseball and excitement that we have not seen in a long time. Yes, it's still very early in conference play, but they have defied all the expectations so far. So a big series coming up for Georgia this week. They play Georgia Tech on Tuesday, so that'll be a good game to watch. But the big series I'm talking about is Vanderbilt. They head to Nashville um, to play Vanderbilt, a big series. Vanderbilt, of course, always a very competitive team. Um, of course, the Braves have a lot of Vanderbilt products are always looking for looking and, and scouting Vandy players. Have a very good team. Had the opportunity to head up to Nashville about a week and a half ago to catch a Vanderbilt-Belmont game at First Tennessee Park, home of the Sounds, um, where actually Vanderbilt lost to Belmont in that game. So there is there is an opportunity here for Georgia, and uh, we'll see if, um, if all this hype is real as they really face some tough uh, SEC competition. They've certainly uh, flew by the first few tests uh, in the season, and they have um, already taken the series from ranked Texas A&M, if they could get that sweep today, that would be uh, some more impressive for this Georgia team that, again, finished 11-19 and last year. They're 7-1 right now. So definitely want to keep an eye on Georgia this week, especially in that Vanderbilt series, and uh, see, just like I said, see if all this hype is real. And that is the final word. Josh Tanner here on the Peachtree Pen. I want to thank Stephen Teal for joining us once again this week. He'll be back with us again very soon. Thank you very much for joining us, Stephen. Always a pleasure, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. No, thank you. And be sure to tune back in next week. Listen in to the next Pennant Pod as we welcome Zach Autry to the show. Zach going to be running down our uh, top 30 prospect list, which you can check out right now over at PeachtreePennant.com. Make sure you keep up with all the latest news from across the state of Georgia over at PeachtreePennant.com, as well as make sure you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook as well. Our Twitter handle there is at Peach Pennant, and we will talk to you again next week.